Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So it's uh, all for play for still. I think so. Do you want to bet against us? Good evening, everybody, and welcome to For the Love of Pomegranate Podcast. And we're 48 hours away from the start of the football. Well, we're actually 24 hours away from the start of the football season. We're actually probably not. We're probably about 22 hours away from the start of the football season, considering it starts tomorrow with uh, Arsenal uh, playing tomorrow. And then we're on, obviously, on Saturday. But we're about 48 hours away from when uh, when Villa kick off again. I'm delighted today to be joined for our Bournemouth preview with wonderful paddy and also you'll notice ross from the south african lines is here we're delighted that ross back a couple of you guys may remember him from last year we had him on once or twice last year and uh delighted that ross uh was available was able to pop on to give us his musings about uh Bournemouth today and before we get into it ross how's everything down in south africa well good evening gentlemen and good evening to all the viewers thank you for joining tonight yeah south africa everything is pretty good over here uh as you also anticipated for the game tomorrow, we all excited. We're all sharing in the joyous occasion. Premier League starts tomorrow, and we're all looking forward to watching the Villa. Uh, have you, um, you guys may, may know that uh, Ross is a bit of a film star. Ross, you were involved with the, you were involved with the, with this, with the away strip. I should really have asked you this before we went on. I know I saw you, <laughs> but sometimes the eyes play tricks. But yeah, Ross is part of the the video um, that was played over in um, Western Australia at that time, or in in Australia, should I say, um, with regards to the unveiling of the of the of the new kit. How did that go down? How first of all, what was the whole kind of mechanism behind it, and uh, what was it like? To, to, to see yourself there as part of your feeling? Well, it was an amazing experience. I was very privileged to be offered uh, the role in that. Uh, as you can imagine, it was kept top secret for a number mm-hmm. of weeks. Villa reached out to a lot of the different chairmen around the world that are uh, chairmen of the different Lion Clubs 
Uh, and, you know, we can actually get a feel of how Aston Villa are moving, especially with getting more engaged with the fans. Uh, Villa are looking to increase their reach and exposure in numerous countries, and they obviously pick out countries with high potential, and South Africa is one of them. And, yeah, I got uh, was contacted by Villa a couple of weeks prior to the release. Uh, they told me their plans. I was excited to be a part of it, of course. And, yeah, went down to the uh, local stadium, an iconic stadium here where I stay in Durban, but the Moses Mabida Stadium, the famous stadium with the arch that hosted the World Cup yes. here in 2010. So, I, yeah, I was quite excited and very, very privileged. Excellent. Yeah, and it was great. It was great. As we said, myself and Paddy, we were talking about it after it was released and we were kind of going... Oh yeah, he's been on the podcast. Oh, he's been on the podcast. Oh, he's been on the podcast. So we don't him. Yeah, yeah. So and it is great that you know that network because that network for Aston Villa. Wait, I'm I'm even going to back up there. It's great that you guys were recognised for the work that you guys do for Aston Villa Football Club for the love of Aston Villa Football Club, um, because you know it's 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 without without the, the what I'm going to call the satellites of having these lines clubs all around the world. Um, you know, the, that's how the word spreads. And, you know, and I'm sure you've said this before to us. You said it last time you were on the podcast. You know, you might be in, in, a, in a pub watching a game right before five or six of you guys. And someone comes in and goes, what, what shirts are they? What jerseys are they? Whose colors exactly. are they? What are you watching? Why are you watching this? And then they sit down and they enjoy it. And then they come back the next week and they bring a friend. And they come back the next week and they bring a friend. And before you know it, seven or eight turns into 20 or 30 and you know that's just the fantastic stuff that, that these lines clubs and, and and Paddy is 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 massively involved in that being uh, part yes. of the lines club network uh, as well. So we will always be a home for anybody who wants to number one start the lines club um, in a foreign land or uh, wants to know more about it. If there's anybody out there that's watching us in fire throwing climbs and maybe you're looking to see if there is a lines club either chat to myself or Paddy or even Ross, you know, you'll be able to find it online as well. Or if you're interested in setting one up, there's also, I'm sure there's a, there is an application process as well, somewhere along the lines and we'll be able to uh, be able to um, get you in contact. Uh, with regards and don't, to, don't forget, Neil, the, the Lions Club network in the UK is very important too for people who, oh, huge. who are a bit isolated and want to travel the games together and, and stuff like that. So, if you're sitting somewhere in the UK, reach reach out to your local Lions Club, or if there's a bunch of you sitting somewhere where there's no Lions Club, reach out to the club. It's a very important network, both at home and abroad, for for those in the UK. Yeah, absolutely, couldn't agree anymore. Couldn't agree anymore. And I'm going to selfishly plug my own Lions Club here, the Connacht Lions Club here, based in Galway, and I'm going to going to plug it because we were formed during COVID. We were formed during a time whereby we couldn't meet up. And this year, with the great help of Noel, I think Noel might even be watching tonight. And if no, oh no, he might be because I think Noel is away. Um, <laughs> but uh, with the great help of Noel, we've secured a pub in Taft's Bar here in Galway. So if there's anybody from anywhere in the world who wants to watch a Villa match and it's on TV, uh, give us a shout and we'll be able to, to hook you up with a place to watch it in Taft's Bar, a superb bar here in Galway, right in the centre of the city and full of all the, the lovely touristic uh, charm. I'm coming to Galway soon then. You're coming to Galway. You've heard it here first. (laughs) You've heard it here first. Um, Well, so I suppose before we get on to the Bournemouth piece, I popped on two nights ago and I spoke a small bit about a certain Cairns. I think I heard his name was today. Yeah. 
the guy, the guy's faces there kind of summed it all up. Uh, I, I, I think that's why he left was because we were all calling him Carney. I think he, he said today he prefers Carnes. And uh, yes, apparently he wears Chelsea pajamas uh, to bed or something along those lines because they're his boyhood club. Um, well, Carrie Chukwueke has left today. Aston Villa have done superb business, I suppose, for somebody who uh, who has 301 minutes uh, in the Premier League and 442 minutes in total over the course of his Aston Villa career. And Aston Villa have gotten uh, 15 million upwards towards uh, 20 million for him. And Paddy, I'm going to come to you first on it. We're not going to spend an awful lot of time talking about it, but um, it's just I, I haven't been speaking to you since he's actually left, but we had spoken an awful lot about him before. Uh, he left. So, what's your, I suppose, your final kind of uh, draw line under it with regards to Carney for us there? Well, first and foremost, I'm glad it's over, and yeah, I am really delighted with the money we got for him, considering he had one year left on his contract, and he was, let's face it, acting the bollocks with the contract. So, uh, that has obviously hampered his progress in the last year. So. Tough shit, uh, Barney Chuck uh, Moneymaker or whatever your name is. We'll uh, <laughs> we're finished with you. We're done. But look, the, the the guy is obviously a bad egg. It just it just didn't bode well with me at all. Everything that's gone on in the last few weeks. Um, I think we we've seen now that that there's a strong side of Stephen Gerrard who took a stance. He stayed at home for the trip to Australia. He, he they they didn't add him into anything. Didn't give him a squad number. And now he's out the door, and you know sometimes the uh, the it's time to draw a line under it. And I I won't be looking at him with any fondness or wishing him well the same way I would with Jack Grealish, because Jack at least gave us time, gave gave us all those years, got us back into the Premier League. This this guy is a pompous, arrogant prick. I just can't find any other words from than what I saw today in that Chelsea video. Was nothing short of disgusting. He's absolutely zero respect for our club. Even the even the speech he wrote, he wrote today, that speech was completely hollow. Given the absolutely ridiculous interview I saw with, with Chelsea today, so I'm done with him. Good riddance, and uh, don't let the door hit you on the way out. <laughs> okay. Uh, excoriating as usual, and we love it, Paddy. We love it, Ross. What's your view on it? And with, with regards to the Carney situation, um, I suppose. You know, everybody is looking at this. And I'll be really honest. I've had, over the last week, I've had uh, a couple of people. Um, I've got some very good friends at a, at a podcast called um, At The Bridge Podcast. And I was actually did a piece for them there. We I always chat to them with super guys. And I think it's coming out tomorrow as well, uh, a piece on the, the carriage. But I've been contacted by other Chelsea podcasts and stuff like that, literally going, we need to talk about him tonight. Tell me something about him because I haven't a clue who he is or what he does. And I'm going, well... You're going to go on the podcast and say his next is next best thing since sliced bread, anyway. But uh, talk uh, and and I, I must state in case the guys from Ed Bridge Podcast are listening, you guys didn't do that because you're sound and we have a good relationship. Um, but uh, uh, Ross, talk to me about Carney. What are your views on it? What are your views on him? I suppose and 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 the acrimonious departure from the club. Yeah. So just to add on to what Paddy was saying. Uh, We've given him a lot of time at the club and we've actually bent over backwards for him. If I'm not mistaken, we also purchased his brother from Northampton, Caleb mm-hmm. uh, Chucklemaker, to help him settle in. I mean, that in itself just shows to the extent of what Villa were doing to help him develop and make him feel wanted at the club. His contract or his supposed uh, request for a contract was outrageous. There's no club 
in villa stature that would ever pay the amount of money that he was requesting and fair enough he was uh, he was integral he was a uh, he was a part of that team and he was integral for england to win the euros under 19 but in terms of what he was doing for the first team at aston villa he wasn't really pushing for starting berth and he looked quite lazy when he did come on with that being said i must say from a business point of view with aston villa it's another example of how we're evolving as a club. Over the years, we've been mugged off with silly deals. And for once, we're actually on top, in my opinion. In, this, in the next six years, I think that's his contract length at Chelsea at the moment. We, within this next six years, if he develops to be hypothetically a Ballon d'Or winner, which we don't know how his development will go, then we can say, fine, that one slipped through the cracks. But right now, in this present time, £20 million, our fourth most expensive sale, it's a brilliant piece of business for Villa, especially for a player that was disrupting the change room. Mm-hmm. And I think we're going to leave it at that. Very, very talented player. Can't disagree with that. But look, just an acrimonious exit. And we're as entitled to feel that way about any player, whether he's 15, 16, 17, 18 years of age, or whether mm-hmm. he's 30, 31, 32 years of age. Um, I don't get a lot of the I, I don't get a lot of this. He's an 18-year-old kid kind of a thing that he's kind of seeing online. Um it's look. It, it is. We, we treat everyone the same. We would have venerated him if he had if he had stayed with the club. We would have actually thought he was the best thing since sliced bread. And as I as I always say, for Aston Villa fans, we're fickle and we're entitled to be fickle, um, as much as we want to be, um, because we love this club and we'll be here a lot longer after players are gone or retired or whatever. Um. So anyway. That is line drawn under Carrie Chukwemeka. We're going to move on towards uh, Bournemouth, and we're going to take a look at the at the Bournemouth game this weekend. And just before we came on there, there's a it's a really interesting one. That, well, it's not a really interesting one. It's just something I noticed that uh, we're going to have a bit of a. Well, he probably, I'd be surprised if he was at the game, or if he wasn't at the game, but he's not going to be on the touchline. But Tommy Elphick is very much involved with their with their coaching team. And uh, I just stumbled across it uh, across it the, today when I was looking at it. He's the under-21s coach. And we all know that Tommy Elphick gave his heart and soul for Aston Villa. And uh, that a really bizarre situation with Tony Jaa will always stick up in my mind with, with, with Tommy Elphick. So I, I'm sure that when he comes back, or when we go, sorry, should I say, when we go to Bournemouth, that uh, there's going to be... Um, and this is the thing, right? We're just talking about somebody who's left the club in acrimonious circumstances. We've got somebody who's Tommy El- like Tommy Elphick here. I'm sure there'll be lots of hugs, there'll be lots of handshakes, there'll be lots of fist bumps, there'll be lots of, hey, I, I, I'm going to take you maybe for dinner afterwards if the people are staying around or whatever, whatever the case may be. Because Tommy Elphick will have uh, a lot of friends in that dressing room and uh, will have... Um, you know, we'll have people there. I presume himself and the likes of Tyrone Mings are still, because uh, I know that they were pretty close when when there. Not were many left, though. No. Yeah, <laughs> there isn't many left, but still, uh, as it, there's, I'm sure there's backroom team and stuff like that. But uh, he's under, he's under uh, their their coaching squad. But this Bournemouth game is going to be tough sledding, I think, for Bournemouth. But it's exactly the type of game that we were going to cocksure that we're going to score three or four goals. And end up with a one-all draw, uh, Paddy. I'm gonna come with you. Come to you first. Initial feelings about this game at the weekend, and what what's what's your gut telling you? I suppose from the from the outset. Well, we'll get into what they have in a bit, which which is not an awful lot. But my, my good feeling is that the, we we need to go at them hell for leather from from the word go. We need to see the equivalent of Bielsa ball. It needs to be totally up front and in their face because they won't be able to deal with it. 
we need to get ahead, we need to stay ahead, and we need to win comfortably. I think that's what we got to look for on, on Saturday. And I, I think anything less than that, I'd be fairly disappointed. And I think the rest of social media would have a meltdown, considering the talents we have at our disposal versus, I, I think you said to me earlier, that they're arguably worse team now than they were when they were last in the Premier League. So um, any anything less than, okay, I'll be a little bit generous, 2-0, two 2-0, nil, two nil, anything less than that, I'd be disappointed. Ross, what's your initial gut feeling before we get into it and we start talking about our team and some of the players that they have? And, and what's your initial gut feeling on it? I feel that we have to win. We should win. Considering the form that we displayed in pre-season, we were exceptional. And if we perform poorly against Bournemouth and drop two points if it's a draw or even lose that game, there's going to be hell to pay and there'll be some big questions after the game. Yeah. I, I think more so the results part from from uh, from preseason as opposed to some of the performances. Some of the performances are good in, in fits and patches for us, but I think we really need to put it together. And and, and my views on this are that uh, with the greatest respect to Bournemouth, because I do like them as a team, they are probably going to be looking at us as the team that sent them down because we got lucky uh, with the fortuitous greatest save in Premier League history. Um, that we all remember from Orin Island. Uh, and, and let's not forget, it was Bournemouth that suffered the consequences of that. So there is probably the view in and around the stadium from the fans. I think it's going to be raucous at the weekend. I think the fans yeah. are, going to be, are going to be out for blood. And it's a small stadium. Um, but I like Bournemouth. I like Bournemouth. I have no ill will towards them whatsoever. Um but uh, I, I think that we should. I, I, I think that Aston Villa have, like, with, with regards to our preseason build up, this is the kind of game maybe that you want to start with because if things aren't going right, you can change things. Like, if we had a Liverpool day one and maybe we didn't have a settled squad, yes, our, our results were great in the preseason, but there's just not that play fluidity wasn't there, yeah. um, specifically uh, uh, for the whole. And it was there in fits and starts. But potentially this is somewhere that you can come in and you can build your fluidity, maybe start slow, keep it steady, and then build your fluidity throughout the game. If we were playing against somebody like a Spurs, um, who are I think are going to be brilliant this season at Man City or Liverpool, I think that we would be on the back foot and, and it could compound some of the some of the uh I suppose the black smoke that that we were chugging at times uh in, in, in the preseason. But Paddy when we look at when we look at this Villa team first, we're going to, we're going to take a look at it, and and it's a lot of this is is going to be spoken about over the next forty eight hours. I think there's there's conversations to be had in each line as we walk up through that field. I suppose starting number one with the centre half partnership. Do you like in your heart of hearts? Do you think it will be it will be anything other than Carlos or, or Mings? Because uh, I think that I've seen about I've seen all the different permutations that you can possibly have in there today. Well, I, I think he might play it a bit safe. I think it will be Carlos and Mings that start. I think I think that's the safe option for him. Um, I think it'd be a ballsy move to do anything other than that. I think if he dropped Mings, people would be scratching their heads and asking a lot of questions. And if he dropped Mings and we lost mm. the game or drew the game, then there'd be a lot of pointed, pointed fingers. I, I just think it'll be a safe enough lineup. But either way, I still think it'll be enough to handle what, what what's going to be thrown at us. 
And Ross, when we move on to the midfield area, we come back and we'll discuss this in greater detail in a moment, I suppose, because when we look at maybe the Bournemouth team, it, it might throw up a, a couple of changes. The midfield three that we're going to play there, obviously with our new captain, John McGinn, our new, our new signing, uh, Bubakar Kamara, I would imagine both of those would most likely start. Who do you play as that third wheel inside there in that midfield? Well, this is the big question, Mark, and I'm actually glad you brought this topic on. Because I don't think that there's any Villa fan out here that can say for definite who would start in that third role. John McGinn, if he wasn't captain, I think there'll be question marks over his head as well. But fair enough, he's our leader for the season. So for him, he will definitely be starting as well as Kamara. For that third spot in midfield, personally, I'd go with Jacob Ramsey. Just on the pure basis of how he can carry the ball and bomb forward late into the box. And he's really, really good collecting the ball from deep, linking up play with the strikers. And if we have playing with the wingers, if Bailey starts, he's really, really good at picking out those passes. So my gut feeling says Jacob Ramsey, but it's still a big question mark. We don't know who could start there. Yeah, I I, I think... Uh, Paddy, I forgot. Who did you say was going to be starting? Is the other centre-half for Carlos? Carlos and Mings. You think it's going to be Carlos and Mings? Yeah, yeah. So, so do I. And, and look, I'm, I'm not saying anyone is wrong to think anything else. I just think that you've stripped the captaincy from him as well. If you drop him in, in, yeah. in like if you drop him, it, it's, it, it's, yeah, that's that's a real yeah. kind of, it's a it would be a pack, yeah. yeah, and yeah. it would be a pack your bags moment. Yeah. For me, it would be a pack your bags moment. Look at the way you asked the question. If you, if you yeah. asked me if I was picking the team, it, it would probably be Chambers and Carlos. But yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm like with, with, with Chambers. But I think he's had a really good preseason. But I just think, for, as as a man management uh, scenario, I think he has to he has to go ahead and play Mings. I think it's I think it's important for man management. I think if he left him out, I think he's on the floor. And with a World Cup three months away. We don't want any player, especially one of ours, feeling that way. I'm, I'm having a slow moment here. Tyron Mings played with Bournemouth, didn't he? He did, yes, because yes. that's who we signed him from, didn't we? Yes, yeah. yes, yes, that's right. I had a bit of a moment there as well, just trying, <laughs> trying, trying to figure out what the hell was going on. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's going to be Mings. I think it's going to be Mings in there. We're moving on towards the midfield, I agree with your Ramsey um, synopsis, Ross. I think we're going to need a ball carrier. Um, yeah. on that left-hand side specifically. Bailey's going to play on the right-hand side. Coutinho is going to slot into the middle, I think, because I think Coutinho will start. Um, and uh, I think that ball-carrying option then from the left-hand side, uh, along with Luca Dini there, uh, will help us. Plus the fact that Ramsey and Dini will have that simpatico from last season. And uh, because Dini goes so far up the field, I think Ramsey knows sometimes the limitations and gets back there. Plus, he's he's probably one of the few players, it, what he is the only player in that midfield that kind of brings a bit of girth and a bit of strength inside there because he's bunked up quite a bit, I thought. Um, so I, I think Jacob Ramsey will be the man to start there. But I would look, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say if he starts Callum Chambers at, at centre half or he starts Douglas Louise, then I'm going to be spitting fire tomorrow for the team sheet tantrum. I just think it's an either or. It's, I think it's pick or poison kind of a situation there and and and, and they can all do a, a good job. Um, I've let my cat out of the bag that I think it's going to be Bailey and Coutinho uh, behind the striker and we're going to we're going to hold off on the striker. Actually, no, we're not. So I'm going to tell you guys, I think it's going to be Bailey, Coutinho, Watkins. I don't think there's going to be any, any surprises there. I know myself and Paddy would probably run into loggerheads at that one straight away. But Ross, before we get, before myself and Paddy have a chat about that, what what you what's your feeling on the front three at the moment? Because Bar Bailey, they've been pretty 
pretty toothless, I think, this uh, this offseason. Yeah, I was actually about to interject there. Uh, there's so much possibilities that we can play with with our attacking lineup. Uh, before I go to your question about our front three, I was actually thinking, what if Gerard, just for the sake of us playing Bournemouth, uh, seeing it as no disrespect to Bournemouth, but they are a lesser team compared to others that we could have drawn. But what it would be the possibilities of Gerard picking Coutinho as a centre attacking midfielder and playing Watkins and Ings up again as a strike force uh, with both of them up front. Uh, those are other possibilities that could come to play. Uh, considering also that we have five substitutes now. Bailey, the impact sub, could always pop up on the 50th minute if we need some pace and that injection in the attacking lineup. He could come in and we switch to a front three instead. Uh, but just to go back to your question before I run away with my own thoughts, Bailey, I think this is Bailey's season. Once we start getting him fit, he'll feel like a new signing again. And we saw glimpses of that, especially at that Everton game. I'm sure every Villa fan remembers that game. If we can keep him fit, which it looks like we have been from this preseason, he's able to play uh, more minutes than usual. He's going to be a huge asset for us. That all we need to do is just keep him fit, and I'm I'm certain that he'll help change the game for Villa. It's it for me. It's going to be the one that everybody's gonna like. You're just going to filter down through the page. Yeah, everybody might have their favorite centre half partnership and their favorite three man midfield partnership, but we know what we're going to get from those lines. And I think that you know we're going to have a bit of a disjointed performance in midfield because that's what Aston Villa do. We're going to be yeah. pretty okay at the back, have a couple of hairy moments, and have to hack a couple of balls free because that's what Aston Villa do. But I think when we look up front, I think that's everybody's. Uh, immediate attention is going to be drawn to the bottom half or the bottom of the of the team sheet when it does come out tomorrow. And um, so I think you make some good points there. We could have uh, a, a I, I would I personally would be blown away if Leon Bailey doesn't start tomorrow. I think that's one where I would be spitting feathers in the team sheet tantrum. Like I would be incredulous yeah. if Leon Bailey doesn't start tomorrow because he's been the only attacking intent or the only attacking force that we've really seen. Because and look, I know we're going to talk about. I know there's Cameron Archer who scored two goals in preseason, but he isn't going to start tomorrow. I would, I wouldn't imagine. Um, so uh, for me, if Bailey wasn't there, I would, there would be a lot of head scratching for me. Uh, with with regards to to that one, Paddy, where do you come down on this? I think it's going to be a, <laughs> a certain former Southampton striker. Yeah, well, look, regardless of what what happens. Outside of that center, that center forward position, I think I think it's got to be Danny Ings. I, I just I, I I'm done. I'm done trying to back up Watson or <laughs> Watkins. That's what I call him when he leaves. <laughs> um, look, he's he just he just doesn't score goals. I know people say he frees up space. He works hard. He does whatever. We we've got Coutinho. We've got Buendia. We've got Bailey to sit in behind Watkins. He needs to score goals. That's, that's just it. He's not going to play in any other position now with the with the firepower we have in those positions. So he's either playing as a nine or he's playing in front of one ten with two with two nines. So I I think that's the only way we have Watkins in the team is if they're two nines. And I don't I don't envisage seeing two nines unless we're chasing a game at all this season. So yeah. for me, if I'm picking the team now, you didn't ask me about my midfield, but yes, it's JJ as well, and then it's Bailey, Coutinho, and Danny Ings. Yeah, you mentioned there that Watkins doesn't score goals, but 
he does. Like he does for us. He doesn't score goals probably at the level that we would expect him to do. Like he's not a Harry Kane. He's not a Son. He's not a. Well, he hasn't shown that he can be like that. But you know, you go back twelve months and we were doing podcasts here. We were probably. I know I did. I know I tipped Ali Watkins score eighteen or close to twenty goals. And his first season in the league, he hit the post so many times. Uh, you know that he could have gotten over twenty goals for Aston Villa, and I think that's the breaks for him. But yes, the regression is there. I agree with you. Not even a regression, because I don't think that's fair either. But oh, I think he just, he just hasn't got any better. He's not got, he's not gone backwards by any stretch. He, he hasn't, he hasn't, he hasn't done any anything else. Um, we saw preseason that there was a, a finishing coach in there with him, like, and then he has an absolute stinker of a miss in preseason that everybody talks about. So look, he just doesn't do it for me. Um, I, I I know that Danny Ings can do it. I don't think Ollie Watkins can do it on a regular basis. So for me, I think we've we've got to invest in Danny Ings and give him the time. And I truly expect Steven Gerrard to do that. Just for everybody out there listening, there will be a massive, I told you so, if Ollie Watkins scores, scores a goal or two goals or a hat-trick at the weekend if he starts. I am well, Neil, Neil, you know as well as anyone else. minute podcast of, I told you so. <laughs> well, you, you know as well as any, everyone else that I, I my bet was always Ollie Watkins for a hat-trick exactly. in every game. And yeah. he, he only did it once. <laughs> it was against Liverpool. <laughs> Since Ali Watkins debut for and we haven't forgotten about you. FBC Stato, FBC Stato has given us some great stats for, for this game, and it's just coming up in a moment in a segment that we call Stato Corner. So I am going to start it off with another stat that he's just <laughs> popped in there and says, Since Ali Watkins debut for Aston Villa, only five players have scored more nine penalty goals in the Premier League than the Villa forward. That is a man by the name of Son. I think we might have heard of him. Some guy called Mohamed Salah. Harry Kane, sounds like a guy you deliver and deliver to your door. Never heard of him. Sadio Mane, <laughs> I heard of him. He's good. I think he plays with Bayern Munich, but I don't know what he's got to do with the Premier League. And then Deo Gajata. So uh, I suppose, uh, uh, I suppose. look, they're, they're, when we're looking at strikers, I, I actually, I think that it's, it's a worrying thing for the game of football in general. That there are, like you look out through all the top five leagues in Europe, and the fact that the best strikers are at the best clubs but have been bought into the best clubs means that there's a bit of a cartel uh, going, getting on there from the point of view of firepower. The fact that Julian Alvarez uh, is going to be the backup to Erling Haaland and the fact that... Anyway, I won't get into it, but you know the fact that you can have Neymar and Mbappe in the same team, uh, you know, I, there's nothing you can do about it if the money is there. But what I'm trying to say here is there's a dirt of top top class strikers in the world, I think, at this moment in time. And that's why teams normally play one up top. And uh, I think I blame Jose Mourinho for all of this. I blame Jose Mourinho for, for the lack of top strikers um, because he started this whole one up top craze um, with his Porto teams and then on into Chelsea. So Mourinho, another thing to blame him for. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Uh, before we get on, we're going to take a hiatus from talking about, talking about uh, what our permutations for Aston Villa are going to be for a moment. And we're going to go to, as I said, an, a feature that we're going to call Stato Corner. And thank you so much to AVFC Stato. He has given us a couple of statistics uh, with regards to the game. And the first one we have here with five in total is the Bournemouth manager, Scott Parker, has lost both games he's managed against Aston Villa in the Premier League, both as manager of Fulham. So let's hope that we don't give him any joy at the week this weekend coming. Uh, statistic number two is that Aston Villa's Philippe Coutinho has been involved in three goals in his last two Premier League appearances against Bournemouth. Uh, two goals, one assist, scoring and assisting in his only previous visit to the Vitality Stadium in a 4 0 win for Liverpool in December 2017. Granted, I think we, we can all agree that five years on, he's a small bit of a different player than the electric, wasp like player he was back then getting around the field. But hopefully, um, he is. Uh, oh, I've got two twos there by mistake. That's my fault for, um, for not numbering this correctly, but hopefully he gets around the field and he gets he keeps up his his great um goal scoring or goal creating exploits against Bournemouth. So after losing their meeting with Bournemouth three 0 in October nineteen seventy one, Aston Villa have scored in each of the last eight against the Cherries in all competitions, with nine of their eleven total goals against them having come in the second half of games, including all four in the Premier League. And I think for me, this is something that I'm going to be. I'm going to be. I'm. I'm hoping of that Aston Villa need to come out of the blocks and they need to get a goal in the first half, and this is one that I hope we break our duck on. For uh, with regards to the statistical point of view, I think we need to score in the first half. I think we need to to put them under the cash. Being obviously we're the away team, but I think you need to silence fans early, put them under the cash, get an early goal, and then if we win one nil, great. If we go on to win two nil, three nil, four nil, two one, three one, four one, whatever the score comes after that, I think we need to have an early goal and then go on to win the game. Uh, myself, um, Dominic Solanke has been involved in twenty goals in his last twenty-two home league games for Bournemouth, scoring seventeen and assisting a further three. And Solanke was the highest-scoring English player in the top four tiers of English football last season, with twenty-nine goals. Um, I'm going to pause in this one here. Never really worked for him in the Premier League. Came on for Liverpool, started, you know, had, had had lots of people talking about him. Never really worked for him at Bournemouth. Should we be afraid? Should we be very afraid of, of Dominic Solanke at the weekend, Paddy? I don't know. As you say, his, his Premier League record isn't the best. Any time I've seen him, I wasn't overly impressed. He, he, he played in a team that absolutely dominated last year. Well, dominated a lot of the lower league, which, which put them in the position that they were. So... Fairness, he scored the goals, but you can't argue with it. But he just never did it at Premier League level. So I'm not overly worried about him. I don't think any of us should be. I see someone in the comments there saying they're so optimistic about the weekend and they hate it. That's exactly how I feel. And I, I, <laughs> I'm saying now that I can't see Dominic Solanke giving us any trouble at the weekend, and he probably will. Um. Lastly then, Bournemouth boss Scott Parker and Steven Gerrard met 15 times as players in the Premier League with Gerrard winning 9 to Parker's 4 and 2 draws. All 4 of Parker's victories against Gerrard 
came in home games twice with Charlton, once with Newcastle and once with West Ham. I just thought that was interesting because it was more so a really interesting statistic for me because, um, you know, I grew up watching these two guys battle it out in midfield. Scott Parker and Steven Gerrard playing for England together and stuff like that. Now they're managers together. And, uh, you know, sometimes you forget that these guys will be in the dugouts and things like that might play on someone's mind with the fact that they could never really get massively get something over on somebody off the field. And then they might overcompensate, to try, sorry, on the field. They might overcompensate to try and get, get something uh, off that other person when they're now in the dugouts. So I think from a mentality point of view, um, you know, two really professional and really uh, driven players. Like Scott Parker was, I think that's probably the best word you could use to describe Scott Parker was driven and determined because there was no one telling him he couldn't play football and he, you could see him on the field. That's the way that he played. And uh, I'm sure he's going to be like that as a, as a football manager as well. Um, so that is Stato Corner in association with AVFC Stato. So thank you so much. Uh, AVFC Stato for the statistics. I really appreciate them and they will be coming your way uh, in our preview shows throughout the course of the season as well. Now, I want to talk a small little bit about Bournemouth's team because I know we mentioned previously or we mentioned just off air. Actually, before we do that, guys, can we get some thumbs up on the on the, on the YouTube channel if you can, please? I'd really appreciate it. Uh, we have over 200 people watching at the moment, which still blows my mind. There's TV programs in Ireland that don't get 200 people watching them, and that just blows my mind whenever <laughs> I come on here and I see that in the, in the top screen. We have an Irish language channel, and I genuinely believe that we get more views in a month on our YouTube channel than our Irish language channel does here in Ireland. So, uh, which is a shame because we've it's such a beautiful language and we should watch more of it. But uh, that's not my fault. Um, so thanks, guys. If you can give us a thumbs up, it would be really great. It really, really helps the podcast. So, going to take a look at the uh, at the Bournemouth team, and there's some there's some there's a lot of holdovers from when they were here in the Premier League when they were in the Premier League previously. Um, they have a really exciting goalkeeper. Travers, Mark Travers, Irish goalkeeper. I know the Irish setup is littered with good goalkeepers at the moment. There's good goalkeepers like standing on the side of the road, apparently, in Ireland. If you just pick up and play them at the moment, uh, the, that's that we're, we're, we're goalkeeper FC over here in Ireland at the moment. But Mark Travers is a really good goalkeeper and somebody I think that, uh, that um, you know, could keep Bournemouth in a couple of games this season. Um but I think the biggest thing for me is the stability of their midfield. Their midfield, to me, are their, are their three aces. Uh, with Philip Billing, uh, Jefferson, uh, Jefferson Lerma, who I think is a really good player, and Lewis Cook. Paddy, talk to me about that midfield from the point of view of they're probably the antithesis. It took me a while to, to learn how to pronounce that word. Antithesis of our midfield. Um, when we look at the makeup and the doggedness and and just the the bully nature of that midfield, yeah, um, that, that's probably their strongest strongest three that's available um, across the pitch. If you put people together, they're really struggling for bodies. But um, Philip Billing has, I I reckon he must have blue nose blood because he absolutely loves playing against us. He goes absolutely nuts every time he comes onto the pitch against us. So. Uh, I'm going to go with Ad, who says, Philip Billing for the first yellow card. <laughs> yeah, I think you're going to take that one to the bank. Yeah, he. I, I remember one of our first games back in the Premier League going to, going to Villa Park and 
he absolutely kicked us up and down the pitch. He's an absolute monster of a fella. How he wasn't sent off is beyond me. I think he was taken off in the end just in case he was sent off. Um, but look, that's our strong part. I, th- I think I think with the creative players we have, I think we're going to cause that midfield trouble. And I think we'll pass the ball around them. And, you know, I think we'll get plenty of free kicks in around the, the D and the, and the edge of the 18-yard box with them guys going in. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. I tend to agree with you from that point of view, but I also think that, like, like Lewis Cook, who's someone you, we didn't we didn't really touch on there, Paddy, and I just I think he he had the potential to be a superb player. England capped Lewis Cook, lest we forget uh, as well, and and things were really looking up for him. Then I think he had a lot of injuries, if I'm not mistaken, and and I kind of slowed him down a good bit. But Lewis Cook is a damn good midfielder, and he's able to play that ball. He's going to be able to spray stuff around the place. Um, you also have the returning Ryan Christie, who is uh, back at, at Bournemouth. My irrational fear, as people will know, watched this podcast for a couple of years when he was with, um, when, uh, when, when, whenever he's there, the likes of himself and Ryan Fraser and stuff like that are my irrational fears because they can whip a ball in from mm. deep and they're really good at crossing the ball. And that brings me on to a question for you, uh, Ross, is that Dave... Like we spoke about Dominic Solanke, and I think that Solanke will play, but I don't think he's going to play in that central striker role. I think they're going to try and go and rough us up, and I think they're going to go with yeah. I think they're going to go with Kiefer Moore, Kiefer Roberto Francesco Francisco Moore, who, to give him his first full name, um, and he's Welsh. Uh, with, with with that too, I think they're going to go with him. The big battering ram, the six foot five. Obviously, he played for played for them last season, four and four. Uh, I'm not even sure. Yes, he's not injured at the moment. I think they're going to go with him up top and they're going to surround him with Slanky and Christie. And uh, there's a sadistic part of me waiting for that WWE match between himself and Diego Carlos. But do you think that that's potentially the way they're going to go, uh, Ross, with that height and that big battering ram up top? Well, gentlemen, it seems like we share the same sentiments. We know that Bournemouth are a physical team. Well, with the players they've got, they're quite physical. So they're going to be wanting to bully us off the board every opportunity they get from the midfield all the way up to the strikers. I have to admit, I'm excited as you. <laughs> Diego Carlos, uh, he can hold his own. And we've seen that in the friendlies. I'm I'm looking forward to that. Diego Carlos will be able to have enough in his locker to keep them at bay, even if they are taller and slightly stronger. Diego Carlos is much more experienced on a, on a different level compared to a lot of what the, the Bournemouth players are used to. I mean, he played in Europe with Sevilla. So he'll be wise enough to know how to handle any threat that comes through. And if Mings does start, which seems the likelihood, he's a big boy himself, six foot five. Mm. He'll be able to deal with any aerial threats that come in. And I feel that even if our midfield does get bullied a bit, we still got Kamara to drop deep to help the defense. And you still got the defense, the strong guys in defense, whether Chambers does start, uh, Diego Carlos and Mings. Between the three of them, two of them will start, they'll be able to help out the team all round. So I'm not too worried about uh, Bournemouth's attack. Maybe that's me just being naive, but I feel that we have enough in our locker to keep them contained. And I think that that's the way we should be thinking. I think Aston Villa should be going into a lot of games this season, specifically 
you know, when we're not playing maybe the traditional top six or maybe what you could probably even call the top eight at the moment, and um, when we're going into play against teams around us or below us, we should be looking to dominate from that defensive point of view. I think that that's something that Steven Gerrard will like us, uh, will want us to do, is concede a lot less goals. But then again, what manager in the world doesn't want their team to concede a lot less goals? I, I have to... I have to put up this comment here because it just popped up for a moment. And uh, <laughs> says the Irish accent is actually easier than Birmingham for the Icelanders. That's good to know. <laughs> That's good to know. I, I, I wonder how he's getting on with the South African accent. <laughs> <laughs> South African accent. Well, in fairness, uh, Ross, you're doing a great job of uh, speaking nice and slowly as well. So <laughs> you're not going full in. <laughs> Uh, what's 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 it? Well, Razzy Erasmus was all was over Munster rugby. Sometimes he'd speak yeah. really, really quickly, and you're like, I have no idea what he said. And in interviews, he would speak as quickly as possible, and he'd just walk away. And you're like, I don't know whether he was happy, whether he was sad, whether he was what. I've, I've no idea. I've no idea. Um, <laughs> let's go to some of the comments here from um from some of the guys, and I'm just going to dip into these. I do apologize. I kind of got caught in my own um. I know it's self-importance there for a while when I was talking. I forgot to get to the comments a small bit earlier. Um, there's one here from, uh, where has it gone to? Do, 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 do. A couple of people think that Ollie Watkins is going to be our top scorer. You guys are good eggs. You guys are backing me up. I love that. <laughs> um, he's 16, Ollie is 16 to 1 to score a hat-trick tomorrow. Um, I think it oh, is. It's got to be more uh, than that. 16 to 1 for a brace. Sorry, 16 to 1 for a brace. And Bailey, 33 to 1 for a brace tomorrow. Um we don't condone bet, bet only what you can bet. Uh, if it's not for you, please don't do it. And when the fun stops, stop as always with anything to do with um with, with gambling. Uh, uh, I I agree with this as well from Shadow as well that Ings needs a streak of games to start every game. Yeah, I think I agree with you on that one, but I also think that Watkins needs the same, and that's what that, I think. Was that not what I was saying? Watkins yeah, starts every game. <laughs> I know, but what what I'm saying is that they both need that. They both like we don't have anyone who can come off the bench, and and I think that it's probably easier to nearly find a Solskjaer type striker that can come off the bench and hit the ground running straight away than it is to find a twenty goal uh, a season striker. What I'm saying by that is if you can get someone who pops off the bench and scores seven to ten goals every season, um, like last year, if I'm not mistaken, Watkins only got fourteen or got eleven goals in the in the in the, the Premier League. So if you've got someone popping off the bench who's scoring seven to ten goals uh, from the bench, I think that that's something Villa will look for this season as opposed to going out to find that mythical twenty goal striker. Um, if you can spread, if you can spread thirty goals amongst three players, um, and and have a system that that caters for those, well then you're less likely or you're less reliable on that one player uh, to, sc- to score all those goals up top. And I think that that's something that we can we can uh, we might see. Excuse me, we might see. DJ Razer then says the modern striker is not all about goals now. It's about hold-up play and link play. And Davis is actually our best option if we want to get the best out of Coutinho, Bundy, etc. And improve our ball retention. Um, well, of if, all he's your best option like, if you want to get goals out of them. He's not your best option to get them into play. Uh, yeah, to, to creative yeah. options. He's going to hold up the ball too far for, from goal for me. Um, yeah. It's it just... I, I think we need that small striker off the off the last man's shoulder. It has to be Archer. It has to be Ings. I just I just think Ollie Watkins will should be used as someone who, who's coming on to see out the game, to 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 bully the defenders, to try and pressure them high when when the others run out of puff. But I, I just he just hasn't done it for, enough for me. And I think that I'm not going to say it anymore. 
<laughs> don't yeah, jinx I'm, yourself. <laughs> I'm. Oh, I'm don't, don't get me wrong. If 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 Ollie Watkins starts scoring goals on a regular basis, I'll throw up my hands and say, "Yes, well done, Ollie. Absolutely." I won't be hiding behind anybody, but for me, he's not doing it at the moment. He just needs to sort it out. Someone we haven't mentioned at all in the 44 minutes we've been talking today is Emi Buendia. Um, well, I nearly, mentioned, I nearly mentioned him because I said JJ, JJ was going to start. If I was picking the team, I, I would find the place for Buendia in there as an eight. But I think that's ultimately the way we're going to shoehorn him in unless he's going to just play cameos when, when uh, Buendia comes off or when Coutinho comes off. Okay, I was going to go to your roster, but I've got something to say on that. I've no problem with trying it. No problem with trying it. Okay, no problem at all. But we've just been through 10 days of people saying that we have an unbelievably imbalanced midfield. And I think yeah. if Emi Buendia comes in there, I think that unbalanced midfield becomes kamikaze in a lot of areas because he gets around the field an awful lot. He is, yeah. he, he's very little positional sense for being an eight for me. But could he could he play there if he was if he was to be disciplined with his position? Since yeah, why not give it a try? But himself and McGinn in, as the two eights with Kamara inside there, I think Kamara <laughs> would be coming off the field in a wheelchair. I think he'd have so much work to do, um, and that for me is why it doesn't work. So there's been so much chatter over the last ten days about imbalancing the midfield, and I think you put him Pointy in there as an eight. I think that just becomes you kind of go, we're not playing a midfield, lads. We're playing five five. That's the way our team is going to go. And we're just going to bypass. And you know what? Who says it wouldn't be the right formation for us? You know, we could be zigging when everybody else is zagging, you know, and, and, and that might work. But um, we'll see tomorrow. As I say, we'll see tomorrow. You could just easily play Buendia Coutinho behind a Watkins or Ings and bring Bailey on like Ross said. You know, he could yeah. bring Bailey on, but I'd be flabbergasted and blown away by that. But it's all within the realms of possibility, I think. I think for sure. While I'm searching for other comments and good talking points here, Ross, what's your view on Buendia? I feel that we get the best out of him on the right. When he's on the right-hand side as an inverted wing and he cuts into the left towards the centre, I feel that's where he's at his most dangerous, his most creative, and probably his most powerful to help the team. He's very good at linking up play from the midfield to the final third, and we've seen that many times. Also, there's something to say about his defensive side as well. He is really good off the ball. He's a lot better than Coutinho off the ball. And this is where the dilemma comes in. We try to play both of them together, and it doesn't seem to work. But in when we need to start chasing the game, when we have Wendia, he seems to have a lot more fight and a lot more gust about him to be up for it. He'll chase the ball down, and he'll work hard for the team. Whereas Coutinho, we sacrifice his defensive work ethic for his vision and attack. And it's a headache that I'm glad it's not mine. Steve and Gerald will have to try and put them more all into the team and get the best out of them. But for me, Buendia is much, much better on the right-hand side of the field. I mean, that's the whole reason we broke the bank from in the first place. That's why he excelled at Norwich. Mm. And uh, I think, contrary to what Christian Persler said, and look, I keep on going back over this old road, but I think contrary to what Christian Persler said previously, I think he was coming in to play the other side of that three in the four two three one with Jack Grealish playing on the left. And then we saw Jack Grealish. So I, I think that there was a plan for having the two of them in the team, regardless of whether Grealish stayed or whether he, whether he went. Uh, well, sorry, obviously we couldn't have had the two of them in the team if he went, but you know what I mean? Uh, I think that there was a plan there for him anyway. But let's not relitigate that whole thing once more. 
um, and, and let's look forward to it. Rob Henry makes a good point here that we can't underestimate Bournemouth. And, and, and you know, yeah. I fully 100% agree with this, that we can't underestimate any team we, because we're not of the level of quality or consistency ourselves to underestimate yeah. absolutely anyone. Uh, we need to dominate them. We need to be clinical. And this, my question then also is kind of twofold here because a couple of people have mentioned it here as I was going through about that this mightn't be the best game for Kamara to make his debut in for Aston Villa, considering that bully boy mentality that that midfield is going to have. And and Matsy says, born midfield the bulliest before, hence my question on Kamara. Now he's a steadied international. Would you guys feel that, you know, the fact that he's going to be that metronome that's going to want to get 100 touches of the ball probably uh, on Saturday and potentially have 70-plus passes, something we were missing last season? Do you think that they're gonna that he's gonna be comfortable with that in that small small stadium with a raucous atmosphere and you know still a very young guy learning coming into a brand new league where things are an awful lot quicker. When you think about it and you kind of you kind of distill it down, it's probably not the best game for him uh, to have his debut and to give him that workload. Or Paddy, do you think there's there's any fear of him? I don't, I don't, I don't think there's any fear of him. I, I think, I think the the guy is is more than capable of stepping into any position. I don't think there's any fear of him being bullied either. I think he's well capable of getting stuck in with them big guys. Um, I don't believe those big guys will get far enough forward to have to worry about him. I'd say they'll be more in the defensive. Uh, they'll be more defensive than than Kamara will. <clears throat> um, I watched a good bit of Bournemouth last year because um, my my nephew's friend Gavin Kilkenny. Played an awful lot of times for them last year. Now they've let him go, and I, I think they've sacrificed. He's gone to Stoke, isn't he? He's gone to Stoke. Yeah, yeah. And I think they've sacrificed a good ball player in there for 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 those three brutes. I think that's what they've saw as. Uh, I know the uh, what's his name, Jefferson Lerma. Lerma. Not, not, not as much as a brute, a, a, a brute, but um, they sacrificed Kilkenny for that reason, and he's gone to Stoke on loan, but. Um, for that reason, I saw a lot of them, and I, I, I envisage that you know they, they, they'll be sitting back inviting us on, and and hoping that they can catch us on the break down either of the wings. And I, I don't think it's anything to worry about. But you do have to worry about every team. You do have to set your team up properly. So, yes, we do have to worry about what might happen. But Jared throws the prize. Ooh. Yeah, what about this one? Little Ryan says Jared to throw a surprise tomorrow, and we never even mentioned Kamara at centre back alongside uh, alongside Carlos and bring in Big Tim. I love the way we're going to call him Big Tim now. He's he's graduated from Young Tim to Big Tim. I'm okay with that. Little Ron is, is wants us to call him Big Tim. I'm up I'm up for that, and for the rest of the season, we're going to continue calling him Big Tim. But hey, why not? Look, it. This is the beauty about the, the first day of the season. It's the season opener or the hopener, as uh, as uh, I'm going to call it, because we have all the hope in the world that this is going to be a fantastic season. So we could be great. We could go. We leave this game with all the hope in the world. It's going to be a fantastic season. Or our hopes could be dashed. But one thing we will know is tomorrow when the team sheet is announced that I'm still of the opinion that what went out against Rain is definitely not going to be our stacking eleven. Could be one hundred percent wrong, but I think there's going to be at least one change, if not two, from that. Team. No, there'll be a couple of changes, I'd say. And the the one person that hasn't been mentioned at all is marvelous Nakamba. And do you do you think that Nakamba has been bypassed by Tim at this stage? Because there's an awful lot of people ruling them out. Uh, yeah, if I can mention something there, I think uh, I think Marv's biggest weakness 
is his passing range. He's very, yeah. very good at sweeping up danger, and there's no mistake about that. We've seen it many times over the last couple of seasons. But the way we've been playing under Steven Gerrard, he likes to have controlled possession with the bombing fullbacks, and he likes having a defensive midfielder that can alternate between a deep-lying playmaker, uh, which Kamara is. We've seen that. Uh, I saw glimpses of it against uh, Man United. The range of pass on him is amazing. He can pick out a pass for sure. Whereas Marv, not so much. I think, yeah, I think Tim might just be ahead. Uh, besides the fact he's young, so he's got more, a lot more potential in him. He might need a couple of games under his belt to, uh, to actually show that potential. But Marv might be one of the players that uh, Villa might be wanting to ship out now, which is sad. It was my it was my call from directly after the season. Uh, I think I said that one of my surprise outgoings could be marvelous in the camera, and we haven't seen an awful lot of him in preseason. I don't think he leaves unless we get a replacement or two in, because I still think we're on eight light as it is. Um, yeah. But I think that Nakamba is behind young Tim in the pecking order at the moment. But, yeah. you know, as, as people have said there, if there's an injury to Kamara, I think he's that pivotal to, way that, to, the, to the fortunes and to the futures of this team that we better not put ourselves in the same situation we were in last season. And we don't really know if Tim can, can stand up to an 18, 19, 20 games in, in a row season in the Premier League yet either. He's not done it at senior level. So for my money... I would keep Nakamba unless we just had an eye-watering offer for him. Someone came in with came in with an offer of 10, yeah. 10 to 12 or something like I, that. I keep him, I keep him too for the, for the simple reason is the last thing we need is to be light at six. If, it, yeah. If, yeah. If, if someone picks up an injury, if if we have to play Kamara at centre back, if if you know it it just doesn't make sense to in, in, in the way we can shut up shop as well by bringing those two players on. And, and protecting the lead with, with, with 10 minutes to go. You know, there's there's loads of combinations of permutations that are going to happen this season. So for me, I think it would be a mistake to let him go. So I, I think we should protect him, keep him there. I, I see someone didn't quite get your point there. You know, he has the best pass completion record, but what about the ones yeah, he gave away? Yeah, you're, you're talking about the range of passing. You know, yeah. he, he doesn't have that. He doesn't have the creative ability. He will keep the ball for you, but he will give it back to the fullbacks or the centre half. He, do, yeah. he, he doesn't. He doesn't go forward at all. And yeah, there's no progression in that. Yeah, and, and, and sometimes, sometimes, make... okay. sometimes you have to go back to go forward, and that's fine. Yeah. But you know, I'm I'm sure I'm pretty sure that that's been worked on too in training. Um, I do believe he played against uh, played a full game against Fulham last week. Mm-hmm. So um, he hasn't been completely ruled out, and don't forget we had a number of players who were missing because of that Fulham game, and even Danny Ings played against Fulham, scored, and then they flew him straight the next day to play against uh, uh, Ren. Ren, yeah. Yep. So uh, yeah, look, there's a, there's a lot going on. Um, I, I think the team sheet tantrum will be exactly that. I think there's going to be a few surprises in there. Where they are, I couldn't quite tell you now. Because it could literally be anywhere except in goal or fullback. Yeah. yeah. I agree. And with the dilemma for number six, just to quickly touch on that before we move on, uh, Callum Chambers, he can always play in there as well. And we have enough uh, depth and defence for him to move up there too. Yeah. There's a great comment here a minute. Keep going. As, as much as I love Chambers, the one bad game he had was in midfield. So uh, yeah, and John Steele says this is slightly mad, but if there's an injury to Kamara, and given the Chambers wasn't great in that position, 
Ming's question mark. There's a whole podcast on that one. Uh, <laughs> on, on that one, but maybe it might just be an answer to a problem we haven't yet found. Uh, so uh, I like I like your thinking, John Steele. Uh, and as Gerard says, adaptability, adaptability, adaptability. Um, guys, I think that's going to do it for us. We're at 56 minutes. It's been amazing. We've been over 200 people nearly for the whole lot of it. I appreciate everything you guys are doing for this podcast and watching and so on. It just makes makes me so happy. So thank you so much. Really appreciative of it. Uh, any thumbs up going would be nice as well on the YouTube channel. Uh, that would uh, make me even happier. Um, two things I want to get to as well. Yes, I have been saying tomorrow. The match is on tomorrow for the last 56 minutes. I obviously mean Saturday. In future, if you ever have me on a preview show and I keep on saying tomorrow, it's by force of habit as opposed to the match may not actually be on tomorrow if you ever hear me say the match is on tomorrow. So always check your local listings for when the match is on. Uh, it's force of habit. And, and the last thing I want to say, guys, as well, is some of you may have seen it on Twitter. Um, uh, we have some mugs available. Some of you guys have been asking for merchandise, and we have some mugs available. They're by the wonderful Northern Ireland Mug Company. Unfortunately, at the moment, they are. It is curtailed to just shipping within the EU just at this moment in time. We are looking at maybe potentially, and I'm not going to make any promises on this, trying to get maybe something available outside of the EU. Um, reason being is courier. I know Ross is like, why did you have me on <laughs> How in the podcast? Him? Oh, yeah, Do I need to fund like, there? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, you, you better be politically correct and say EU and the UK. Well, in Europe, in continental Europe, I suppose, the, the continental landmass of Europe and its and its uh, outlying islands like ourselves. Um, that's what we would, that's what we call it. Um, so yes, that's where the um where where the, where the postage is at the moment. And, and and essentially what it is is it's it's down to courier costs spiraling with the um cost of everything at the moment. So and this one thing we wanted to do is while we did want and people did have merchandise, did want us to bring up merchandise. We were very conscious that we didn't want it to be massively overbearing and like could you imagine like if we had yes you go on you try and buy a mug and send it to the U US and then you see that it's $30 or $35 shipping to the US that doesn't really make sense I suppose really you know for for, for things like that so I do I do apologize in a way but we, we are looking into other uh, other ways that we can get stuff out to, to the rest of the world if that if you are so inclined uh, for merchandise and, and so on but I'm not going to make any promises on it I do apologize um, so if you are interested in those you can go to our um, to our Twitter in the pinned tweet at the very very top of our Twitter oh no I don't think I think Fabrizio Romano is still there, but there will be a pinned a pinned tweet up there in the, a minute after this podcast finishes. And if you guys are interested uh, in a mug, um, and you are based in Europe, the landmass of Europe and its outlying islands, uh, you including the Vatican City, um, you will be able to, <laughs> to to purchase a mug from there. And we would uh, uh, we would uh, love if you um, if you're interested in doing that. Jesus Rod, thank you so much for that. Phil's lucky number. Thank you so much. I hope it's lucky for, for us tomorrow. And if we win tomorrow, it's 100% going to be because of you, uh, Rod. Really appreciate that. I really, really appreciate that. Um, so thank you so much, Ross, for popping on. I, I, I think pleasure. we're going to be seeing a lot of Ross over the course of this season. You're welcome on any time. And it's, I, I, I'm going to make a public apology to you as well in the podcast. The fact that I think I told you about maybe two and a half months ago. Oh, yeah, I'll get you on next week on the podcast. And uh, it's been a long two and a half weeks, or it's been a long week, should I say, uh, to get you on the <laughs> podcast. So thanks a million for popping on. And I hope you uh, continue to keep on growing the South African Lions Club down there because you're doing an absolutely fantastic job. Um, so uh, thank you very much for your time today. And Paddy, 
Thanks for your time. Paddy's a broken man after playing soccer two nights in the, two nights in a row. So uh, I think Paddy needs his ice bath and a good uh, a good bottle of gin to put himself to sleep tonight. But thanks, William, as always, Paddy, for popping in. Cheers, um, guys. Cheers, Ross. Thank so, you so much. Not at all. Anytime. And that's going to do it for us tonight. I tried to keep it under an hour, but we're 25 seconds over. Uh, thanks a million for everything you do for the podcast, guys. Really appreciate it. Um, we will be back with the Team Sheet Tantrum on Saturday and a review show on Saturday as well. I'm really looking forward to the new season and I hope you guys are too. So stay safe, everybody. And until the next time, all that's left to say is up the villa. Up the villa. Up the villa. Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.